Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out, a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful and seen. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Free and Figuring It Out. I am Sherelle. And I am Verity. Hello. <laughs> I thought Verity didn't want to be with us today, though. And she's like, no, I'm having a lovely holiday. Well, thank you so much for tuning back in. It's lovely to have you here. And I'm going to dive straight in with what I'm figuring out, which is aromatherapy oils. And I feel like Verity's probably going to know more about this than me. So I'm, even though I'm trying to figure it out, I haven't actually asked her about it. So I got a like diffuser, machiney thing to sleep to put in your room at night time and like help you fall asleep anyone that's listened to podcasts for a while will now don't uh, don't sleep particularly well and a fabulous friend it was a very surprising present it, it arrived at my mum's house I had no awareness of it it's like in an Amazon box I thought who's brought it and I was like oh so thank you very much to my friend Charlotte who just listened to the podcast it was a very nice surprise but I've now been trying to look and see what type of oils I should be putting in it so obviously like lavender is the one I know the most to be like for sleep but obviously there's other things that are useful for sleep and also there are other reasons to use it so actually I remember because I do quite like you know uh like a not a retreat but you know like going to a yoga class that's not necessarily so much yoga but a bit more relaxing or like a bit of meditation and and I can remember like the end of a yoga class once being somewhere and this woman and all all the air is coming up everywhere and it all smells gorgeous and you're like "Mm." and like when you get massages and you think oh this oil is like smells nice and this is giving me a good feeling so I thought you know it's part of me at the moment I'm trying to do big like uh not massively on self-care but I suppose it's like why do we have to go to a spa to have a nice time? Like, what can we be mm-hmm. doing to just be like having a nice environment at home? And I do feel like actually, uh, like turning it on and having that on whilst you're just at home, because my connotations of it are being in fancy spa places that actually like it automatically takes me to that environment. So yeah, I've been trying to do a bit of uh, reading up on some different uh, what they called. I don't know what they're even called not things I'm like like yeah but always but what the actual like the scent it's not a scent is it it's like a, yeah there we go see this is how much I don't know what I'm doing but I'm getting I'm gonna get there so I'll <laughs> let you know what I end up liking I'll have some like peppermints on its way and then there was like some tea oil tea tree oil and all these things so let's see and I'm gonna try and see if that feel mm. like any commonality between what I use and if I actually manage to ever get a good night's sleep well, that sounds lovely, a lovely gift. And I've never had a diffuser. I, I would uh, love one. Um, but yeah, lavender is your obvious one for for sleep. I think sometimes it's good to sort of look at what other, um, you know, they have like sleep candles, like what companies use with lavender in sleep yeah. candles. Um, I think there's always a bit of um, chamomile, maybe yes. like ylang ylang. Um so anything like that just to calm and then my mum used to put rosemary oil on my tissues in my blazer when I was doing exams at school because it helps in memory rosemary um and then when I was going through a phase of try of like getting like afternoon tiredness but not wanting coffee I used to do peppermint in like an oil burner Mm. which is really good peppermint's really good for sort of just getting your brain awake awake again um 
and like eucalyptus and tea tree, like all of those are kind of similar vein. And then it's also finding what you love and what you really don't like. So I love jasmine. Jasmine's like my soul flower and it just makes me feel alive. So I always have jasmine stuff around me. And for some reason, there's like an orangey bergamonty scent that drives me up the wall and gives me a headache. Mm. So you've got to just be like, watch out for what you align with and what your body's like. Oh, no, I don't like that. Um, Yeah. So. That's an interesting one. It does also make me just feel a bit like I've been looking at getting some luxury candles a few weeks before that. And it's that same thing of like, but what goes with this? And like, how do they complement mm. each other? And how do they speak to each other? So I'm, I'm sure there are some listeners that are probably way more into this world because I feel as if I've been ignoring all of the sense. I don't feel like it's a necessarily a something I pay enough attention to. Like I've never been someone that was a big candle lighter, for example, either. And I feel as if maybe this whole part of my life right now is like, actually, I suppose these could have been stuck in the same four walls for a long time in it. I'm like, let's try and make them smell as nice as possible. Yeah, true, true. Get get down to that library, get a book out and <laughs> go old school. I think my you know 13 year old self was well into essential oils. So <laughs> Re- retreat to your younger self and uh, learn up on them. But yeah, you'll have to keep us up to date with how you find your new flavors scents now I find it hard to find the word um (laughs) so while you've been doing that I for also for my birthday got makeup now for those of you who've listened to the podcast for a while my 30th I had a gift list and I suppose I've kind of like kept with that theme with my immediate family because they're both like you're just really hard to buy for because you're very particular and it made me laugh actually my brother recently went away for a weekend and he brought my mum a fridge magnet with the name of the place on and uh, I was like oh charming you know not got me anything and jokingly and then my mum mentioned that to him like that he didn't buy me anything and he was like yeah well she won't like cheap tat like you do and I was like <laughs> brilliant so I was like whoops so I now just give them a list of what I want and it's normally makeup and books so that's what I got this year so interesting I got um ill maquillage so I've wanted to try this for ages and I used to be a uh Yves Saint Laurent Touche user for under my eyes and then I've not actually worn anything under my eyes for a while but um I felt the need to so it's called F-U-C-K. I'm flawless. I won't swear. So Shirelle doesn't have to put a warning on. Um, and there's all these Instagram, you know, like videos of women putting it on. The great thing is it's in sing- every single shade you can ever imagine, which is brilliant. Um, really diverse in its its range. And um, women kind of putting it on and being like, oh, my God. And it just like disappears into the skin and everything's perfect and stuff. So but the great thing is they do a 14 day trial period. So you buy it. You try it. If it's not for you, you send it back and they give it to a charity that gives makeup to women. Mm. Um, so that's really good. Um, so I'm I'm impressed with that. I like it. So and I do th- I do think it may- I just have very not crazy but under eye circles that I sort of avoid to get rid of. So um, I feel like I then you're also have to do... got some. An Instagram, you're gonna have to show wow. us on Instagram so people can see. I want to see this. I do some three darts and it disappears into pure beautifulness. I will, I will. Well, I also got a cult classic. I don't know if you'll have heard of this, Sherelle. Um, 
I think you will have done, but it's called Nars Orgasm and it's basically a blusher that is like mm. super, super famous. Um, probably been around a few decades. And when my brother ordered it, he was like, I wondered what you were making me order for you because it was called something like the Small Pleasures Kit because it came with like <laughs> a lip gloss and a, a brush. Um, but I've always wanted to try it and it's lovely it's I think I'm because I'm quite pale I'm used to quite a dark cheek because it really brings out my color this is much more of a sort of mix of a bronzer with a light blush I would say Mm. but yeah it's it's nice and I also watched a YouTube video on where you put your blusher which was interesting so learn every day I then um got this palette I'm going to show Cheryl because I know she'll appreciate it (sighs) Beautiful. It's like a rainbow palette, which I've had my eyes on for so many months. And I'm like, no, Rarity, it's not an essential. You can't splurge on it. Um, But it's by MYX and it's called the Ultimate Shadow Palette. And it's bright. And it's just like literally the colors of the rainbow. Um, And with that, I got two Spectrum brushes to help me put the eyeshadow on. Um, So I've been like playing with like colored eyeshadow around my eyes and stuff like that so it's been really good and I went to a party at the weekend for the first time in forever and I got to play with a bit of like nice eyeshadow and makeup and it yeah it felt nice so that's what I've been figuring out it's a long way to go with the eyes I really want to perfect it but I'm enjoying it literally all it's doing is making me think of what was it 18 months ago when we were going into lockdown I was like this is going to be the time to like learn about makeup (laughs) and it's funny you mentioned your spectrum brushes because I actually was looking for some brushes for my birthday mm. and I really Spectrum was one of the ones that kept coming up and I was like mm. and I was looking looking and then they didn't and I'm not I didn't get them I got some different ones but it's interesting because that was definitely kept coming up really hard like very often all my research they kept coming up yeah I've always used Spectrum and I quite like them because they're a bit mermaidy in the colorways mm. but also Katie Jane Hughes who is a makeup artist who I adore and she's from Southport and she talks a bit like me, so I like it. Even though she lives in New York and she did like Hayley Bieber's makeup in Venice like a few days ago. Now she's back with her mum in Southport. It's just such a weird thing. Um, but she's brought out a collection with Spectrum, so I kind of trust her that they're a good brush as well. Um, but yeah, so that's mm. me. Well, there we go. Influence of Verity going all girly on me <laughs> of all the makeup. <laughs> but that palette was gorgeous. Now, in other yeah. worlds, I have been reading... I have, I'm back on the train, so I have definitely had a slower reading year this year, but I feel like I'm massively making up for it now. And uh, this week I've been reading The Rules of Wealth by Richard Templar. Now, he has actually written a whole load of rules books, and I'm not entirely sure I knew this when I picked it up. So I think I just like, I can't actually remember where I picked it up or how I got it. I can't remember anything. It was just on my bookcase of things that need to be read. Um, and when I was reading it, I was like, hmm. And I was like, this really reminds me of another book. And it actually, what it really reminds me of a book called A Hundred Things Millionaires Do, Little Lessons in Creating Wealth by Nigel Cumberland. And so they're both the same in terms of being like, they're really short chapters. It's like two pages a chapter. So it's like super quick to get through. So yeah, it's very good. However, I just felt like I don't I don't know whether I don't believe Richard's wealthy. <laughs> I don't mm. agree with his tactics for building wealth, growing wealth, sharing wealth. 
I don't, I don't know what it was, but the books and me did not get on. It was something really like I've, I've been trying to be able to articulate it to share and I can't. But the fact that it reminded me of that book and I thought, actually, I really enjoyed 100 Things Millionaires Do. And I had a little quick look through and I thought part of it, I think, is actually 100 Things Millionaires Do gives you a bit more action points. So you'd read a bit and then actually right. would say how to apply it, whereas the rules of wealth is a bit more just like read, read, read. I think there was probably a lot that was quite general. The tips are sort of um, combined into par- um, not paragraphs, into sections that are like thinking wealthy, getting wealthy, staying wealthy, and sharing your wealth. Now, I think it was like he's definitely from the school of like work hard, which I'm not a not a work hard, but I think maybe the more that I've been, some of the other books I've been reading recently. Um, that I'm thinking actually that sort of lesson of just forcing people to say you've got to work crazy hard isn't necessarily the right answer so I think maybe there might have been a bit of triggering going around on that but also yeah I just really question actually did he just write this book along with everything else so since then I've realized so he's got books on like the rules of parenting the rules of love the rules of management the rules of work like basically you just write a book on anything mate like actually how much of an expert are you yeah it's an interesting one yeah Niche it down, love. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, but again, and, and even for people listening, it's, it's, you know, something that both of us practice, isn't it? We're thinking, well, why is this triggering me? Like, why am I not clicking with this? Because it's good to know what is it about it, you know? And, um, hmm, very interesting. Well, we'll list both. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. We'll list the one that you <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And this enjoy. is my thing. Is I'm like, there are hundreds thousands of personal of um, personal finance books and that's part of the reason why I read them is I want to help people I'm like if you're only going to read five yeah this isn't one that I would recommend and maybe part of it is it is yeah. so general and actually I do think you know you're more there's more benefit possibly in choosing okay I actually need to learn about saving or I actually need to learn about investing or I need to learn about x y or z and you choose a book that's a bit deeper in that world of money rather than these rules of wealth mm. in absolute general but that's what you said part of the thing I am very conscious of is when I don't like a book is trying to work out why because also I realize where I am in my journey that sometimes it might just be because of what other things I've read rather than necessarily the book as a whole isn't great so yeah I think that I think that a lot with some things I think oh if I'd have come across this five years ago I'd have thought it was the best thing in the world but because of everything that I've now know and mm-hmm. taught myself in the past five years, it feels not that great for, for you know, different reasons. Like, oh, I kind of know all this or it feels a bit entry level or whatever it may be. So, yeah. OK, well, good to know. Well, we will link to both and then you can make up your own minds about books but no very very interesting to hear um so are you been reading I've been listening to a podcast docu-series I suppose it would be called which is a couple of years old but it's called the missing crypto queen and basically um the sort of synopsis is uh Dr Ruja Ignatova persuaded millions to join her financial revolution then she disappeared. Why? Jamie Bartlett presents a story of greed, deceit, and herd madness. So I love a good docu-series thing on real life stuff. I just really enjoy it. And um, it's actually been nice to listen while I've been driving. 
you know, in summary, they I don't have you heard of OneCoin? Well, this is the thing. I think I have recently. I think I saw a very short. I think I might have watched something about uh, cryptocurrencies as a whole, and that this person and that coin got mentioned. So I was wanting to, to hear more about what you said because I feel like I have heard a bit of the okay. story. So Bitcoin started. Well, they say in here ten years ago, so maybe a bit. Uh, later because this this came out September 2019 this podcast originally even though there's been updates since um and yeah so Bitcoin started by this guy who nobody knows who he is Mm -hmm. and um it was interesting actually because it taught me a lot about cryptocurrency itself so they talked a lot about blockchain now I'm just going to say this really quickly and Joelle correct me if I'm wrong but basically the whole point of cryptocurrency is it's not owned by the banks or government or anyone. It's like, you know, just there it's, it's you know, we all own it technically as, as people. And a blockchain is basically what the impression I got is where it's sort of held. So nothing can be deleted, nothing can be manipulated, nothing mm-hmm. can be changed. And it keeps track of all the transactions or the the buying, the selling, et cetera. Um, And so that's what gives basically something that doesn't technically exist a a worth and an existence because there's this thing there that's keeping it real. Is that right? I'm not sure if it's keeping it real, but the rest of it, yeah, that's basically about right. And I have gone to about, I, I feel like blockchain was the biggest thing in ticketing for the last four years. And every single conference um, I went to, someone would talk about blockchain and I'd be like, I still don't really understand. But what you said about how it works for Bitcoin and like, yeah, basically all the information goes across to like all the computers. Everyone can see exactly what's happening and there's no central source. All of that's absolutely correct. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Woohoo. Okay, great. So um, basically in a nutshell, this one coin was released this uh so Dr. Ruja has a PhD, very respected woman, um, and she became the face of it and was like, this is going to, you know, no one will talk about Bitcoin in five years. This is going to take over. And they talked a lot about getting, um, it, they talked a lot about banking for the unbanked. Mm-hmm. Now, I think in this country, we take it for granted that we can have a bank account. But in a lot of developing countries, a lot of people don't have a bank account. And it's for different reasons. One is identity you know, a proof of who you are and things like that. Others is a lack of trust with the banks because they're much more corrupt than we experience in a sort of democracy and developed state. Um, and so it was kind of making banking accessible for everyone, which I mean, sounds wonderful. And it sounds like a step to equality and, and all those things. The gist I kind of get from the, the story is that, um, there there was no blockchain which basically meant it was all fake because if there's no blockchain there's nothing basically keeping tabs of everything that you know so if someone's bought a thousand one coin that's just like well you know you just not like you have a receipt and you can go i bought a thousand one coin if there's no blockchain it's like there's no evidence that you've bought that sort of thing and then it kind of seemed to grow quicker than they realized. And then they wanted to try and sort a blockchain out and it never happened. So it ended up being one of the biggest scams in the financial world of all time. And the woman, Dr. Ruja, disappeared. Mm. So it's all about that. 
and I'm near to the well I've listened to the whole one that was that was in 2019 and I'm now on an additional one that was released 2020 um but yeah it's it's very interesting and it it it's more than that like they go to like Uganda and people have sold like their last three goats that you know they they made money from every day because they sold the milk to buy one coin Mm -hmm. hoping they'd be millionaires overnight and then you know and then no everyone's like where is the money and then there's all these links to Russia and the mafia and it's very very interesting um and you go through it thinking do I have sympathy for this woman like did she just get in over her head or is she this mastermind very genius woman who knew exactly what she was doing and when they said when they turned around and mentioned about being a scam did they say it was any like a particular like I'm just thinking like did they mention like a ponzi or anything like that or was it just like they just said it was it was ended up being a scam so the interesting thing is that's transpired is it's actually a pyramid scheme. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, um, so or more MLM, it's known as nowadays, but technically it is pyramid scheme. So all these people who are making the money from it are the ones at the top of the tree. Yeah. And, you know, there's an example of a woman who invested herself £10,000 from Scotland. She got all her friends and family to invest a quarter of a million in it and um and and then when you found out it was a pyramid scheme they sort of interviewed her and said how much commission did you make and they gave you 40% of it in bitcoin um, not bitcoin one coin and 60% in cash and she said i made about 1200 pounds which is nothing really mm. for that amount of so but then they interviewed someone, a Dutch guy who was at the top of the tree and he was just turning over millions and millions like every month because he had so many people underneath him, like thousands of people underneath him that were. So, it, yeah, it, it taps into a lot of the stuff that we're intrigued by. Um, so it's very interesting. And I quite like the guy who's doing it. He's like a, I mean, it's very BBC, but he's like very it. BBC. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? Like they'll go up to someone like, hello, we're from BBC London. We're journalists. We're recording this. Can we just ask you a few questions? <laughs> so, but yeah. Whereas if Verity was a journalist, she'd just be rocking up like, hey, asking those sort of questions. I'm not telling you I'm from anywhere. I'm not giving you a chance to walk away undercover. No, just seduce you and then find out all your deepest, darkest secrets. No, well, no, I, I actually, because I think I dismissed Verity when she told me to listen to this, and now I feel like I should have listened. You did. Okay. Well, I just, you know what, I go through phases, but this does sound, I can't, it's really going to bug me now that I can't think of what this TV, like, programme was where, like, this woman appeared for a moment. So now I definitely feel like, mm. one, I want to watch that, and two, I do want to have a listen, because it is really interesting, and, you know, Bitcoin's definitely is something I don't know enough about at all. But last week's book, um, Money by um, Jacob Goldstein, like that I was talking about it there. And there's definitely been a few things recently where I've just been like, mm, I probably should know, learn a little bit more about it. Even if it is, as we're saying, to try and protect yourself from some of these schemes that are happening because it's easy mm. to be sold into stuff, especially when it's new and you think it's trendy and you think you should jump into it. So definitely always double check what you're doing before you start giving people your money. Yeah. Now I watched an old, an old show, but which 
And I finally got around to it and I can't actually believe it's taken me this long to get around to watching it. So I watched The Great Hack on Netflix and I don't understand why someone didn't force me. Honestly, why did someone not force me to watch it before? I was like, what? I did mention it loads. I know you did. I mean, very you try, but this is the thing. Sometimes I'm just too stubborn. Don't want to watch TV. <laughs> but I was forced to. I was isolating. So I was like, fine, stick on the telly. And I was shocked. I was like, there's so many things about it also, like from a marketing perspective, like from a data, mm. that I just was like, this is just craziness. Um, and so just in case anyone hadn't listened to it, it's based around... Uh, the 2016 US election and the company that was hired to help Trump was a company called Cambridge Analytica, which did have a base in the UK, in London. Um, and they were basically had scraped a whole load of data off people's Facebook profiles, had then managed to make was it something like 40,000 different uh, socio, not socio profiles, I forgot what they're called. Were basically well, the, yeah yeah it's yeah. similar to that yeah so and then based off that they were then working out what advertising to target you with on Facebook obviously problems were some of it was like classed as fake news but also it was the fact that they'd taken all this data and was it it was legal at the time but then it had changed like the rules had changed or was it always illegal that's what I wasn't 100% I think- sure of I think it was always illegal. Okay. It was to do with the um, lack of awareness of the consumer and what was being allowed to happen with their data, yeah. wasn't okay. it? But I, I knew definitely there was a point where they, they had been told they had to like stop using it and then they clearly after that had carried on using it. But I just wasn't sure actually in the beginning whether it was illegal or whether it was just more like, actually, this is also ridiculous because actually like there is ta- is in a way tactics that people have been using for marketing for years in terms of the more we find out about people the more we can be more specific with the messaging and we can show you the right thing that's going to persuade you but to have done it on that scale for something like for elections it just felt absolutely ridiculous and there was like this whole thing about they clearly had been hired for brexit but they all said they weren't that thing was just like because also i sort of I don't know, there was part of me that they were like, the mean that stepping away from the situation was a bit like, I can see absolutely why it's wrong and it's disgusting and I can see all those things, but I could also understand how it could happen. But the fact they wouldn't own up to Brexit really like that infuriated me because it's like one of the women that was in the company was like on the table in a press conference at the beginning. Why she wouldn't be there if you hadn't have been hired. It was just like so ridiculous for them to just all of a sudden now have like, we're going to try and erase this from history and pretend that we had nothing to do with it. Like, um, and then Mr. Z- Mr. Zuckerberg making his little... <laughs> so <laughs> is literally rolling her eyebrows. Oh, my is... God. Well, yeah, I have a lot to say about it. And, and we have spoke about it before, haven't we, you know? But I know I'm really glad that you've watched it. And I think, I think it hurt me. I actually wrote a like a blog post on it that I've never published because it really got under my skin as a marketer Mm -hmm. because I was like this is not what my profession is about yeah um and I feel like um you know a lot of people think that marketing now is all about Facebook advertising and stuff yeah it's part of it whatever but actually 
you know, that was manipulation. It was, um, I believe, single-handedly, Facebook marketing determined the results of both Brexit and the Trump yeah. uh, uh, presidency. And that's scary as a marketer to think that someone who is our peers has that amount of power. And I think yeah. when it comes to Mark Zuckerberg, you know, this is, again, why there's such a need for diversity in in the powerful positions. So people like him, who have lived a very white, cisgender, hetero, sheltered life, don't take advantage of people who are either a minority or of a lower class and have no real um, control over what they are sort of seeing. And then, you know, they're bombed. And they also, a lack of education about how it works. I think that's the big thing. You know, people who don't understand how algorithms work, so don't, so can't rationalise oh, the reason I'm seeing loads of things against the Labour Party or against like leaving Europe or whatever is because dot, dot, dot. And yeah. that's, yeah. So, oh, it was, it's a great piece of TV, yeah. No, it's really good. And I think I think what you said about just feeling as if one source has now got so much power, I think is what's scary. Because I think, mm. yeah, I felt pretty similar in terms of thinking, you know, there has always been people out there trying to persuade people to vote the other way like that's that's what politics has been for the whole of history that's what it's always going to be but there was a stat and it said like how many um adverts how many different variations of adverts have been made for hillary versus how many have been made for trump and it was that where you're just like these were not on the same playing field like they weren't this wasn't about here are two people, here is 200 different variations of creative from both of them and they're going out there and they're just giving it all. It was so different how those two those two campaigns were being run that it's just like incomparable that there's no choice. And then this, this is where you start to think, is this now going to be the future from now on? And it's just whoever can hire the most intelligent person on a, like on a Facebook ad campaign, you, you're the person that gets oh. to win. Who has the most money? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Trump is a billionaire. Hillary had to raise funds. Yeah. Who wins? The person with more money. It's the same with business. Me and Cheryl have the, you know, I've done so many things that if I could have pumped £10,000 into advertising with it, it'd have been a huge success. I'd probably be a millionaire right now. But I've never had that capital to do that. And so you're here, like, trying to tread water and you know make things work organically or with a tiny budget it's just it's incomparable completely Mm. incomparable and I think that's the thing so now the question is I suppose how fair a world will we have for future elections in terms of like obviously there's probably always been and just I feel like in America I feel like they've always probably been both parties don't have the same amount of capital at their disposal but it'd just be I think yeah it's interesting to see how that happens and it those were just two campaigns of many like there was actually some of the more developing countries that some of the other campaigns had done in other places that just really did scare me so yeah if you haven't mm. if you were even worse than me and even lower down on the chain <laughs> then definitely have a have a little look because it's fascinating and it's a good reminder you know we have done a few episodes on the podcast you know we spoke about um I forgot what it was called now the one that's about the social social dilemma the social dilemma and stuff social dilemma 
yeah so we have done a podcast episode on that if you are on Facebook on Instagram all these if you're giving away your data to all these people understanding how they're using it is really important knowledge is power mm-hmm. understand it yeah um so I actually watched uh just a two-part kind of documentary with Kathy Burke if I think most Valisons are in the UK so you'll know who Kathy Burke is. I didn't She's know a- who she was Sherelle what what Literally, I was like, okay. clearly she's meant to be someone I meant to know when I was watching this. So I actually she's watched it as well. <laughs> That's called a celebrity. <laughs> oh, um, well, okay, rewind. Kathy Burke is a comedian. Um, she has worked a lot with Harry Enfield, uh, done sketch shows and stuff. Um, but is a very, she's a proper London girl, like, um, you know, uh, born into you know poverty um and still very humble um with it even though she would call herself quite comfortable now and so this uh, program called money talks two parts there is one basically focusing on the rich one focusing on the poor and you know these things are regurgitated time and time again aren't they you know there's only so many subjects in the world that people are really interested in that we can keep making shows about and stuff and um someone said to me before have you watched like below the deck or something and I'm like oh my gosh we're getting to the point where we're making shows about people working on yachts and because you know you've run out of stuff to talk about but um it was yeah I just really liked it um I like her style. I like her approach. Um, I thought she was very authentic. Um, Sounds weird, but I think it's nice sometimes to have someone who isn't that polished sort of Mm. type. Um, Like this is where I sometimes get triggered by Louis Theroux. As much as I respect the work he does, it's all very rah, rah, rah for me a bit sometimes. Um, I lose a connection with him. So, um, and she, I think the 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 best part of it for me was the her approach. It was um, very unjudgy. So, if she was talking to a millionaire or someone on the poverty line, she tried to hold an equal space for them. That's what I mm. felt myself. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, it it's interesting to hear how people feel and think. Um, and, you know, there was a guy there who had um, loads of cars and a big house. And he said, every helicopter. day I worry about losing money. Helicopter. Every day I worry about it just all going. He came from a traveler background, so he came from nothing. So she made a good point, though. She said, you only worry about losing the money if you know what it's like not to have money. Mm. And I thought that was a very strong point. Because I have friends and people around me who... I think, gosh, you never seem to worry about like money or not or losing it or not having it. And it's like, oh, because you've always had it. So you have no idea what it feels like not to. Yeah, I think there's a, because that, that line really struck me and I tried to work out why. And I thought, you know, is it because when you've ne- when you've not had it, you've really fathomed what it means to not have money? Because I think there's, there is still a massive difference between looking at your bank balance and feeling like, oh, there's not much left versus having like been a child in a house when you had no money. And, you know, people have actually 
went to the corner shop with your electricity card and had to top it up and like you know people yeah. when you've had those type of experiences it's be- like you don't forget that so you do really understand what it means to have no money and like she was quite honest wasn't she in saying like you know she would get she would eat like she was a hamster thinking as if like she could store it up for the next day and it's like that's not how it works like the day you get yeah, food, the day you get food you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow yeah she never knew when her next proper meal would be so if she had a good meal put in front of her she'd just stuff her face until like yeah. she was sick wouldn't you know to but yeah it is and, and I think there's a room being poor can be romanticized a little bit like you know oh I'm gonna like be poor and live in a bedsit and like you know I'm gonna just like fry and do art or you know whatever people think of being poor and I think like you say it it comes back to that when you're deciding between electricity and heat or food and heat or, you know, like your, your Maslow hierarchy of needs, isn't it? You know, like, um, and so, yeah, so not much else to say in it really. I, I do, I do really recommend it. It's only two hours. Um, and I think it just, again, with everything that we talk about with money, it just helps you sort of reflect on where you are at the decisions you've made, how they've changed and, and things like that so um so yeah i will pop a link in the show notes for that every time i see the title i just want to go money talks money I know. talks. literally i was like oh Dirty cash, I... <laughs> I want you. yeah there we go we're just going to be dancing away but before we head off this week's prompt is inspired by mr templar and is writing books about everything now i have a big big why are you laughing at me because I have a big... It was like hashtag triggered. Oh, because I am. <laughs> and I do have a big bugbear about books in general and people just writing rubbish. It really upsets me. As you can tell, I'm very, very passionate about good books. <laughs> Our time is precious, so we need to be choosing ones that are actually going to help us. And that's why, you know, we totally. always... If anything, I'd like to think everything we're trying to put out is to try and help you choose sometimes, is this something worth you putting your time into? And I think Mm -hmm. if I've wasted my time on it, but I've stopped other people wasting their time on it, then, you know, that's me playing my part. So, yeah, but there is a saying that everyone does have a book within them. One, not 10, Mr. Templar, one. So what would your book be about? What topics could you write a book about? And this might be something for someone that you're like, oh, I really want to write a book and you go and write 75,000 things or you might be someone that's never considered it and this might just be an actual bit of creative weekend writing to try and just think actually if someone was really to force you it's that person who who's this if a publisher came to you and was like we would love to write you to write a book what would you write your book on so there's some creative writing Mm. for once dreamy time it's funny because I've been thinking about that recently so um because I've I've always been told when I go to like my spiritual people you've got a book in you and it really irritates me because I'm like everyone's got a book in them like it's just like the most obvious thing in the world and then I, re- I have to say to myself very to you're in a bubble of people who write books do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I think we actually probably know a lot of people who write books and stuff so um well, that's because we're in yeah circle. so I've been <laughs> complete 100% so I had to sort of take myself away from that and be like okay if I genuinely was to write one not yet but I think it's a really good question I think yeah have a little delve into that okay well we will leave that there so thank you for joining us um 
oh my gosh is it oh no I was gonna say when is it August when when is this being released and when is it August I got really confused because I just feel like how is it August but anyhow we hope you're all safe and well um if you want to contact us free and figuring it out at gmail.com or at free and figuring it out on instagram and facebook please get in touch drop us your questions comments feedback and we will see you next week thank you so much for listening to this episode of free and figuring it out don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next installment and if you want to be a superstar please leave us a review or you can get in touch with us drop us an email at free and figuring it out at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you until next time